Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. Welcome to the podcast. We're talking to Tim Hosman today. You know, I was looking, because we haven't talked in, in quite a while, probably about uh, 10 years, but it's sort of like when you have great friends, you just pick up where you left off. Yeah. And I, I just love that. It's like, hey, how you doing? Oh, hey. Yeah, we were talking like, you know, 12 years ago about, and then you go from there. And when I was looking at your bio, uh, by the way, uh, for anyone looking for Tim Hosman, uh, other than the police or federal uh, authorities. <laughs> post office. <laughs> yeah, post, post office or whatever. That <laughs> is. You can find him at timhosman.com. T-I-M-S-O-H-O-S-M-A-N. T-I-M-H-O-S-M-A-N.com. And always love to send uh, potential clients and, and people to great, great artists. And in your bio, because we know each other just as, as colleagues and friends, uh, I looked over your bio and there were so many times that there was a, a citing, um, a citing with citing uh, description that you had worked for theme parks. Uh, theme parks. What's that like? Yeah, it's actually what I'm uh, in the middle of doing right now. I have a couple of huge projects I'm working on for some theme parks over in China, but it's great. I love, I love the theme park work. It, it normally the, the, um, the timelines aren't as crushing as, as, um, you know, uh, TV or film. And, uh, and then the, the parameters of it are a lot looser too, as far as <clears throat> usually it's not down to the second, you know, cause if you're working, depending on what it is, if it's a parade or if it's a, a you know, some kind of a laser show or something. Right. Right. It's, it's a softer, it's a softer creative process. And, um, and the, the folks that I've been able to work with are just super creative and positive and it's just really fun. But I, 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 I mostly do it from, you know, I compose from home and then I'm, I'm just a few hours from LA. So I, I go down to LA a lot to record. Um, but yeah, I like the theme park stuff. It's really fun. And, uh, you know, I've done a few, uh, several things for the Disney parks. And that's, you know, that's exciting because, you know, as a kid, Disney was, you know, <clears throat> the golden ring, as it were. Who, who does not love, as a kid, Disney? Yeah, that was another break, actually, I got, is that uh, uh, I, I had a buddy who's, who was in a uh, uh, band and the, the sax player in the band's brother owned a recording studio and was producing a kid's record and was looking for arrangers. And so I submitted some work and I got the job and it was, it was great. It was a really high quality kid stuff right at the, right when that was really peaking with Rafi and like it was big business back in the, in the eighties kids records were. Sure. And um, so that guy's studio, he started doing all of the Disney, um, what do they call it? Disney character voices work. And so weekly, everybody that was doing a Disney voice was recording in his studio. And so he got to know all those people really well. And so he started bringing me in as a composer for those projects. In fact, um, the voices of Mickey and Minnie, Wayne and Rusi, 
Um, we lost Wayne about 10 years ago and Rusi just passed away too, God bless her. Um, <clears throat> but they had been the voices of Mickey. They were married and they had been the voices of Mickey and Minnie for like, I don't know, 20 years or something. They were married? It was meant to be. Yeah. Yeah, I think they met on the job seriously. But yeah, they were just the sweetest, most delightful people. But they um, they did several projects where they wrote and produced and recorded and I scored all that stuff. And it was all like Corey Burton and all these great voice actors were part of it and it was super fun but that was just you know through a sax player and a band's brother had a studio and you know I guess all you can do is is just do your best at every little opportunity and hopefully you'll get recommended you know absolutely um just for the people that are tuning into uh the podcast I looked over uh, at at some of the credits and and let's understand something these are hundreds of credits so I can only give you a uh, just a little, a little swipe of it, a little brush stroke of it. But uh, Tim, professional uh, composer for a long, you know what? That's that sounds kind of nice. Professional composer and gifted and talented is even better with all that. Disney, ABC, CBS, NBC, A and E. He's done uh, work for the Olympics. Uh, I know for uh, South Korea, and I know there's another one. What was the other one in the Olympics? I think you've done a couple. Oh, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even compose, and I don't remember what they were. I don't remember. I've done several projects um, uh, for Olympic broadcasts uh, through several different companies over the years. But sorry, I'm blanking on that one. That's okay. No, no problem with <laughs> blanking. You're a busy man. That's how it works. And also for Fox, and 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 probably because all the jingles and such uh, commercials, TV shows, um, series promos, all of that. Uh, come on, you, you could go with hundreds of clients and uh, it, it could be sort of a blur at a certain point when you get deeper into your, into your career as to who all that you work for. Now, here's a treat. This is a treat. I saw this today on, on uh, as I was doing my prep for our conversation. I, I went and I saw on Tim's website, that he has conducted at Abbey Road Studios in London, at least a couple of times from what I can get. Right, Tim? Uh, uh, that's not quite true. Oh, no, I, wait, wait, what am I getting wrong? <laughs> I didn't conduct that. I've actually never, uh, well, I shouldn't probably say this too, but I never actually have been to Abbey Road Studio. Oh, okay. But I, I wrote some uh, library music for um, this company. Immediate Music is what their name is. Okay. And they're uh, King of the Hill with... Um, movie trailer music. Okay. So the way that that movie trailer music works is most of the time, if you're seeing a movie trailer for you know some big new blockbuster, that's usually not music from the movie because that's not written yet. And so, plus, uh, it doesn't hit all the beats that a, a trailer needs to hit. Uh, you know, a trailer is like 60 seconds long or whatever it is, and it needs to climax towards the end and all that stuff. And so there wouldn't necessarily be that same arc of energy that you could extract from the score, even if it was done. So normally that music is all written specifically for the movie trailer. And so I started doing work with um, the guys over at immediate music and so fun, so fun because I, <clears throat> I did the, you know, I did the score here and, and uh, <clears throat> orchestrated it. I had some help in the orchestration at the end, but I put the whole big thing together and then, they took it over to Abbey Road and recorded it with like 80 piece orchestra and 40 piece voices, you know, choir and 
God, it just sounds fantastic. Your, your toes must have been curling. <laughs> yeah. I wish I had uh, gone over uh, and attended it, but I, I didn't. Alas, I didn't. But well, That's okay. You, you know, next time you can uh, borrow my private jet. <laughs> yeah, good. Why not? Are they going to let us? I don't know. Hopefully they're going to let us record orchestras again sometime in the future. <laughs> you know what? I, okay, to everyone listening, I listened to, uh, you have a couple of YouTube clips of you conducting uh, this orchestra. And, oh my goodness. That was at Napa. Uh, oh, I, I just thought, hey, that's my buddy Tim. And he's conducting this orchestra for, uh, you know, this project. And there's a difference when you go from, uh, now you can, please talk about this. There's one thing where you compose it, and then you have a live orchestra there. And the live orchestra that you were conducting for uh, this trailer for the music, all of a sudden you go from composing uh, it to now you have an orchestra that is performing it. It's like night and day difference, right? It really is. Yeah, it's it's actually very moving to hear your music done by a by a group of musicians, especially you, with that. You, you heard it in your ear, you saw it in your mind, and now you have real professional musicians making it happen. Yeah. Well, it's funny and the other composers listening will know this, but oftentimes when we're when we're composing, we're kind of composing around the samples, you know? Like like you're composing uh, because like if you try and pull something off that the string sample isn't quite nailing, you'll kind of move your com your composition to a more comfortable place where the, you're able to create the illusion of live players. You know, so you're kind of like your your composing is taking a back seat to the sounds because you're you're limited by uh, their flexibility, or whatever. But to say when you get in front of an orchestra. Or especially if you know you're going to be in front of an orchestra, you can try things that that you don't have to try and pull off with just samples. But yeah, it's it's to to hear it come to life is just humbling and and never gets old. And you know, I sit there sometimes in front of an orchestra, and you think you look out there like if you're doing a string date, and there's you know 34 people out there. First, one of the things that hits me often is how much money is represented in the instruments <laughs> you know, cause, yeah like, it might be it might be a half a million dollar uh, violin well, it could be more yeah yeah violin yeah singular yeah there could be millions of dollars of instruments out there you know like we take a five minute break it's like god don't go anywhere near there you want to trip and like bust somebody's priceless you know on loan from some conservatory so i think about that but even more importantly i i i think about how thankful Who've, who've dedicated their lives to get excellent at their instrument, you know, just like countless years, hours and years. And, you know, it's amazing the level of uh, musicianship that, that you see down in LA. It's just spectacular. So I'm, I'm often humbled by that for sure. Great conversation. Great talk with Tim Hosman, a professional musician, composer, doing music across the world. Uh, jingles tv and soundtracks we'll be back right after this this podcast features engaging conversations with leaders artists and creatives sharing about current trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media today's episode is produced by matchstick media international a nonprofit that's passionate about inspiring both visionary leaders and young creatives to harness the power of media to further the gospel 
To learn more, visit us at matchstickmedia.org. Now, back to Craig. Let's join Tim Hosman in this conversation. Let's learn some more about what music composing for media, film, TV is all about. Let's do something different. Let's, let's like just take a left turn in some ways. Uh, if you're working as an artist, in your case, you work in a studio, and I've been to your studio in Cambria um, a, a while back, you, you probably spend a lot of time alone. So what's it like to compose when you're alone? Because you really have to motivate yourself, don't you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Um, there, t- there, there kind of is a personality type for for composers. <laughs> and it's somewhere along the line of, uh, you know, hermits or something. I don't know. But um, it, it tends to be people that, like spending time alone, like being by themselves and being alone, you know, because you invariably you spend a lot of time alone. So I don't mind it. I'm a bit of an introvert. And uh, as far as motivation, um, you know, deadlines motivate me for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about, about music and, and about always learning. And, you know, if I have a, a few days of a break between deadlines and stuff i'll study orchestration or study scores by other composers like i just can't get enough of it i just love it but we definitely are are a solitary breed well and i you know i have great friends and i love i love being with my friends but i i certainly don't mind you know spending hour after hour alone and just being able to to immerse myself in the creative process as challenging as it might be you know sometimes a it's, it's sometimes it's incredibly frustrating and painful uh, going through the creative process. But at the end of it, it's like, okay, I love this. I'm, I'm so happy with these results. This is why I do this, you know, so it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. For all the people that are listening in on the podcast across the world, one of the great things, it, it, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a, a, com, a complete treat in the sense of that uh, Tim and his wife, Casey, who uh, is, they're both just a great couple, a great uh, pair. And Haley, their daughter, is a phenomenal singer, by the way. So there you go, Haley Hosman. But the thing, my point in talking about all this is that Tim and Haley decided, uh, excuse me, Tim and uh, Casey decided to move up to Central California and be by the beach, be by the, the, by the water. And it must be an absolute ethereal, uh, feeling to be able to finish your day and to go uh, just a short distance and you've got the ocean there. Yeah. Oh yeah. <clears throat> it's we're, we're, we're definitely, we definitely feel like uh, fortunate and lucky to be in this situation. We go on walks every day. You know, my wife's a real estate broker and works from home mostly as well. And so we're here in the house, uh, you know, different corners of the house doing our thing. But at the end of the day, we normally go on a little walk along the coast and, and look at the whales and the, you know, the hawks. And it's just, it's just uh, insane. It's so cool. Excellent. Excellent. I was going to ask you a question, a little, little um, change of pace here. What's it like? Uh, how do you work with directors? Uh, because they're going to uh, male or female, uh, whether it's film, commercials, uh, short films, jingles, whatever it might be, TV series. 
what's it like to work with directors? What, what do they expect? How do you interact with them? Um, gosh, I don't know if there's one answer to that because it, it, it can be. Each, each genre is different, isn't it? Well, just from person to person, it can be a wildly different experience. You know, it can be everything, you know, from just smooth sailing and finishing each other's sentences. And they, they like everything you're turning in to the opposite of that. <laughs> so, do you, Okay, here's my question. Do you, and this has happened for me as well, but that we're talking to you, Tim. Um, do you have some where you did one project and then you never ever heard from that director again? And then are there others that you had, you started to build a great rapport, a great relationship. And it's like, you are one of the people they come back to you over and over again, because you have this, um, this, 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 this connection where you understand them and they understand you. Or do you hope that happens? No, yeah, no, I definitely have. I definitely have both of those uh, examples. And I, I definitely have clients, you know, that I've had from back when I was working for you, you know, I, I, I definitely have clients that I've been working for for 25, 30 years, a handful of those guys. And, and uh, yeah, I'm always I'm always one that says I'm all for loyalty. Like if I lose a job for a project because, you know, the person running the project was being loyal to their composer, you know, it's like, okay, I, I understand that because people have been loyal to me. So I, I'm never one to complain about loyalty, you know. You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.